Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Drive and Dish Podcast. There's the Drive and Dish. Quick, quick. Welcome to your total moment, my friend. To start it off, it's Kevin Rafuse and Justin Kuzart. Let's go. Two, one, two, one, two, mic check. Last, essentially, few weeks of the season topics to get into. I mean, we'll take a look at schedules and, and where everything lands. We got to get into Indy and their uh, coaching situation and, and the problems that surround Indy right now. And then that'll also lead us to talk about the Hawks a bit because, well, you know, we got to get into Nate a tad as well. So I think all those will, will, will be fun to talk about today. But uh, I got to bring up as a warm up jumper. Two of my worlds colliding again. Uh, I think this happened last year, right as the uh, NBA playoffs were starting, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, a video game is getting a basketball twist yet again. Now, I don't necessarily play Fortnite anymore. But what is going on is Fortnite is adding LeBron James and Zion into the game. So, like, they'll be playable characters. And then on top of that, they're adding a basketball, like, mini game on the side. And from the looks of it, from the photos that I've seen, it kind of looks a lot, almost like NBA jams in a way, just with like the Fort t- Fortnite cartoon style, which right. almost makes me want to try it just to see if it's anything like that. You know, like if it's NBA jams, you know, I'm going to be like, <laughs> we need to keep this game mode and we need to play this from now on. Like, I don't, I don't need you taking this away once the playoff starts or your, your week or two week run with LeBron and Zion is over. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely a great idea. And obviously, I mean, I, again, we, I feel like anyone who listens knows my Fortnite story. I was way too behind the curve. So by the <laughs> time I downloaded it, there's no real training mode. It's not like the Call of Duty Warzone where I had played COD so much in the past that there wasn't had really a, too, yeah. too much of a learning curve for me there. I already knew how to play it. Um, and so because of that, I didn't super get into it. But I mean, I saw that how we talked, I think, last week about the um, battle with them and um, with Apple. And I saw their court filings. They grossed like $9 billion last year. So clearly um, they're doing something right. If you yeah. can afford the rights for LeBron and Zion Williamson, you're, of course, bringing it in as well. I mean, look, any anything that prolongs the game, anything that gets people back into it. I mean, Fortnite's had a run now for what? It's been going on. I mean, are they at five years? Yeah, you know this better than me. I would say, I, from my knowledge, I think it's two, maybe three years. Three. Yeah. Okay. So then maybe four years, um, because I was kind of late to getting to it as well, but like to this, they added, they added, and you'll be able to speak to this more than me. They added Neymar into the game not too long ago. Um, so they're kind of just going stars from each game. Now with the LeBron one, I wasn't necessarily sure if, um, if it, 
I wasn't sure if they were adding him because of basketball or if it was like a Space Jam thing, you know, because I could see probably both, honestly. I could see Fortnite going full on like Space Jam, where like, you know, add LeBron, but then also add like Bugs Bunny or Lola. And, you know, like I, I could see them adding that. Obviously, you got to get the right people's approval and stuff like that, but that seems like an easy fit. Uh, but then right. Zion was on there and they added the basketball mode. So I figured it was more NBA than, than Space Jam. But that is also something that's on the horizon. So maybe it goes there too. I, I know they're apparently they're, you know, this kind of off topic, but I know they're in talks with The Rock and they're talking about adding the, the Rock into the game. So, you know, I, I, you know, I think they're just adding whoever and whatever they think can fit and in, in go in this thing. So, yeah, any, anything that could be a, a attachment that people can buy, a, a skin, a content, whatever it may be, that I know they're definitely, you know, going to try to take advantage of that. Um, I hope it's like NBA Jam. I mean, that would yeah. be sweet. I mean, NBA Jam is, is I, I don't think it's my favorite NBA game ever. Um, I think NBA Street 2 probably will hold that for me in terms of sheer amount that I played it and just pure fun. And if you could just pick it up today and play with anybody. But I mean, yeah, that and NBA Jam, you could just like the Super Nintendo version. You can kill hours just playing that game and just talk infinite amounts of trash the whole time. Um, I've seen people get really really hype over that game put it that way like myself included like you just you get, you get into it sometimes it's fun it's a classic arcade game yeah. so it's that yeah. type of style so well and and there's been many spin-offs you know like i i love nba street so even if it's like nba street which is again sort of similar to nba jams yeah. in, NBA in a way street, the classic yeah I, I mean but i even liked it back when they were like at nba street three and we're working on um you, you know, trying to, to add things to the game. Like they added like the Mario characters, you know, and even that was, it was mm -hmm. weird, but like, I liked it. I was like, this is cool. You know, because yeah. when you look at the, you look at the Mario games, you had Mario baseball, Mario soccer, and, and all those games were so much fun. Mario tennis, Mario golf like that, but you didn't have yeah. like a specific basketball one. I wish they would make a specific basketball one. I think that could be hella fun. Uh, especially if it is like an NBA street style and, you know, you just have Donkey Kong down the paint, freaking rejecting anybody that comes down there so just i'm just imagining biggs from the first game because biggs was the big like yeah. british dude from um the big black british dude from uh london i think yeah he yeah him. he was like the, he was the first level um that you played when you played the nba street because you would play canada you would play which is so it was crazy you play vancouver at the time um and then you play toronto and then you'd have to play him and i'm, I'm just picturing like him and magma man backing down in the paint right now and it's just crazy or throwing donkey kong and magma man out there together something like that get bowser in the paint it's just i'm trying to I'm, nintendo... I'm, I, well i'm trying to see if i can find them real quick uh, the nintendo guess... version always had it like i know like i play was like when i played nba street i was playing on playstation 2 but i think the nintendo versions might have had it or, or if anybody would have obviously that would have made sense nintendo's not going to license those rights out to anybody else is this um hold on sorry i'm trying to, i'm trying to pull i think this is big if i can get it to pull up real quick i don't know if it's gonna happen is this him that him oh that's kind of small. yeah oh yeah yup yup that's big <laughs> yes oh yeah that's the he was man he was great dude you pick him up right away you'd get him in three games and you just have that center position on lock every yeah, single you, time you were set and 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 goaltending wasn't even a thing no, so no. that was, the, that was right on the ribbon. You could you turbo block it. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody All scoring right. down low. So yeah, there he is. Okay, I remember him that, kind of. 
No, that's a classic. The first, I mean, the first and the second one are the best for me. I played the third one a little bit, um, and obviously they never made a fourth, which is kind of tragic. But if they remastered the first two, like, oh man, they would just take my money so fast. <laughs> yeah, I I agree, and and maybe they, you know, maybe it gets to a point. Be, well, I, I wonder because you know, like Xbox and them are are kind of bringing back older games and putting them on Game Pass and stuff like that. Like PlayStation doing yeah. the same stuff with their with their equivalent. So I wonder if there is a point where they get to that and bring back those old games. Because man, yeah, I mean, I know this is basketball podcast. Those were awesome. I'd love for like a slugfest to come back. But you, NFL Blitz, oh, mm-hmm. all of them would be so fun to bring back. I, honestly, even newer versions of it. But but you know. You, who knows where those things are they they did by the way kevin um i know it was a playstation game but they did just bring mlb the show to xbox and i've been playing that yeah and that, that yeah the- that's been fun and dude i i mean you know baseball's got a whole bunch of rules and, and all that stuff and, and different ways to play the game so like the way you can customize that game is insane like every facet of the game you can play like casual which is just like press a button and do your thing like like so for hitting, right? You can play casual, which is what I do because I'm horrible at the game. Is right. A is A is just a contact swing, B is like bunt, and X is like power swing, right? Mm-hmm. And then like the next step up would be, I think it's like simulation or something. And then it's like, well, you have to pick the direction you want to try to hit the ball. And then you're also trying to guess what pitch they're sending your way. And if you guess it correctly, that like helps you in terms of hitting it. And then right. there's a whole nother one, which is where you have to like aim in the strike zone of where you want to hit it, where you think they're pitching it to. It's like, ooh, it gets involved. Yeah, it's, it's mad realistic. That's the one yeah. thing I've heard from everybody is that like the show is is like it's hard. It can be they you know it it looks like real baseball at some point. You get, yeah, you know, we start having to factor in all the things that these guys do in real life. I mean, baseball is not to get too off topic, but baseball is the hardest sport by far like to play professionally. I mean, you have the best guys professionally who are hitting like 310 a year. If they do 310 yeah. a year, that's an all-star season. That's absolutely incredible. And they're going with 31% of the time they're coming up again hits. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. imagine if the best NBA shooters were shooting 31% or something like that. Hey, if they're doing that from three, we're like, ooh, that's disappointing. You know, yeah, like right, we're, exactly. we're mad about let it. Alone and, the, yeah, let alone for the paint. Like imagine if somebody like, like a center or something like that, somebody like a Rudy Gobert. Oh, or, it'd be uh, done. You're done. You're or, done. Or, Get him out of there. Like, 31%. <laughs> it's like, that was that even possible, honestly. Yeah. Then at that point, it's like, dude, you gotta, you, you, something's wrong with him. He's he's got broken something, or or he's hurt, or he's playing injured. Like, yeah, the the excuses would start coming up, or the questions would start coming up. You know for sure. Yeah, they they'd be piling up real real quick. Mm-hmm. 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 I agree. All right. So what we got next on warm up jumpers? Oh, that's it for this one. We were we were we're, oh, we're okay. saving. Oh, yeah, what? Oh, okay. We're saving for the the episode. All right. All right. In that mm-hmm. case, everybody, hey, welcome to the Driving Dish NBA podcast. My name is Kevin Rafuse. Joining me as always, my co-host, Justin Kuzart. I feel CP3 should be MVP. He's doing everything Steve Nash did to win it over Kobe. Reward winning. And the Suns haven't been number one since Nash won MVP. Yeah, I know that I've seen that this is the take on television this week and this is not i'm not trying to remotely disrespect chris paul the Suns are incredible chris paul deserves all the credit in the world he's one of the best players of all time but uh, no is the answer to the <laughs> well question. first of all yeah the other part of that is right now as of recording the Suns that no dig at the Suns. they are not number one they're they're a game back uh are they yeah 
game back. One yeah, game back. Game back. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they're not number one, but I did get interested to see um, Chris Paul's numbers compared to. Oh, wait, who tweeted uh, this, by the way? Oh, yeah. A swaggy P. Mm. You know, he's trying to go for um, uh, what was it? Paul Pierce's old ESPN gig. He's trying to gun for that now. So he's getting all yeah, hot takey. Uh-huh. I give that he two did, weeks. He he tweeted about it, though. He said, he said, ESPN, I heard you're looking to fill a position. I got you if you're interested. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> ESPN we'll, we'll was see. like, yeah, nope. We're gonna- I think somebody would pick him up. Like, don't get me wrong. He made, like, there's potentially a media future for sure. Right. I just don't well, think it's ESPN. No, I think if Swaggy P is going to do something, he's got to buckle down and learn how to do it in the industry, but then do something similar to um, – Oh my gosh! Why can't I think of his name? He, he's on YouTube. Um, oh, he was with ESPN. Why can't I think of his name right now? Has Aaron Rodgers on all the time? Oh, um, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee. Oh my God! Why couldn't I remember his name? Um, yeah, I think Swaggy would be best suited for like a Pat McAfee type, unfiltered yeah. show. Can say whatever he wants to say, do whatever he wants to do, kind of thing. Like almost like a podcast, but like YouTube live show, like Pat McAfee will do. So. I think that would be better suited for Swaggy P because then he can let his personality come through a little bit more and and kind of joke around, you know, and not necessarily be filtered like you'd have to be a little bit on 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 actual TV because you know yeah. the FCC is going to have something to say about it. Yeah, um, no, I I completely agree with that though. I th- I think that was the type of role that he should take and you know let his humor, let his personality stand out and shine like i just don't think espn is more serious it's more formal it's more obviously there's opportunities to be funny there and and you want to have personality i'm not saying that everybody at espn is a stiff but i just i do i think swaggy p is is just in a a different type of dynamic but there still could be a media future there like you said in in that pat mcafee type role yeah Um, yeah oh oh, and nicole Jokic is the mvp by the way can we just put like i know we're going to talk about this a little bit later when we talk about what to expect for the rest of the season because we only basically have a little over a week left at this point but Jokic is the MVP. I just don't know why it, this is so difficult for everyone to. And I, and I get that shows got to talk about certain things, and yeah. I get that the MVP is a narrative based award. But Nikola Jokic is the MVP. Joel Embiid is second, and then at that point you can debate your third pick. I probably would have Steph third. I think. Um, I think Giannis has got to be in the conversation as well. I mean, I know he's won it two times, and there's voter fatigue there. But like, look at the way the Bucks have been climbing recently. They're still not totally out of it for the race in the one seed of the East. So, I, you know, I, but I think Jokic is going to rightfully win the award. He deserves it. Yeah, I, you know, I just wonder if there's any argument. I know, I, and again, I'm bringing it up from a homer bias, obviously, with Joel Embiid. But you know, Embiid's been balling out since coming back from injury. I mean, you know, in in those 16 games, playing about 30 minutes a game, almost averaging 29 points, uh, block and a half, almost 10 rebounds. We'll round them up. It's like 9.8. You know, and and so I get it. I, I, you know, the injury stuff comes into play and, and that's where everyone's like, look, Jokic has the health factor. He didn't miss that many games and the nuggets themselves didn't drop after losing, you know, arguably their second best player. And a lot of that definitely lands on Jokic, uh, being able to continue that, that winning. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily the way it is, you know, they're, Maybe they end up in the third seed. Them and the Clippers are kind of a game away from each other. But, you know, they're either going to be the third seed or the fourth seed going into the playoffs. And 
I wonder if if they they are the fourth seed, though it would only be by like a game. Would there be an argument to say, well, Joel Embiid is the best player on the best team in the East, and does that kind of you know give him a one up? I don't think so because again, you look at the records. You know, the Sixers have forty six wins. That's only you know two more two more than the Nuggets as of right now, and that could be even or even closer by the end of the season. Yeah, no, and I understand. And that, that is the core of the argument, essentially, mm-hmm. for Joel, is that he's been the best player on the best regular season team. Now, I don't really – the thing is, like, the Sixers have won 46 games as of recording this podcast. The Nuggets have won 44. So it's not like really the winning is that drastically right. different. Like, Denver would be competing in the Eastern Conference as and, well. Jokic right. now doing it without Jamal Murray, which, again, is a recent development. But still, the numbers have been there the whole season. And it does come down to that for me. Like, I would love for Joel to win this award, but Joel's missed, what, 19 games this season? Jokic has barely missed any. Um, yeah. If you look at the advanced numbers, too, I just think this is a historically great offensive season for Jokic, especially out of that big man position. But he's just leading a lot of character, or um, you know, he's just leaving leading a lot of main character. Uh, categories i can say the word i promise um mm-hmm. like he's leading the league in per right now he's leading the league in win shares offensive win shares for 48 his offensive box plus minus is the best in the league his overall box plus minus is the best in the league his warp is the best in the league like Embiid has been absolutely incredible and i think if Embiid had played all the games this might be a different story because i think Embiid at his peak has absolutely played as well as Jokic has and i think Embiid is a better defender than Jokic is i feel like Embiid is arguably playing the best two-way basketball in the nba right now but like Jokic's offensive game is special. It's not like he's a total stiff on defense or something like that, where just because Embiid is, is a historically great defender doesn't mean Jokic is some, you know, right. civil on the other end like that. And I just think when you've done it the whole season, it's hard for me to pick against him. Like, he just is checking too many boxes. I think it's an easy decision for the voters here. And I think a lot of people have gotten weirdly, like, I don't know. There's just been a lot of weird discounting. And I understand that part of it is the job. And I understand that part of it is just we focus on different teams every single week. And and maybe we're not focusing on Denver as much because they were playing their best basketball. And then when Jamal gets hurt, I I think most people, even though they have stayed afloat, they're going to be a three or four seed in this loaded Western Conference. I, I still just don't think people have well, them as a potential title contender now where before, and, you know, and that's what stinks. If Jamal Murray's healthy, they might win the whole thing. Well, and and to that point, no dig at the Nuggets. I feel like, at least in the West, there's probably three storylines of the West right now that people are focusing on that are more intriguing than the Nuggets and their play right now, and that is the Jazz and the Suns being as good as they are, and are they legit? And then you've got the Lakers, who are probably going to have to play in a play-in tournament, which, by the way, we called LeBron. We called LeBron James being upset. I We uh-huh. knew it was coming. We oh, yeah. knew knew for a fact it was coming, which uh, uh we'll, we'll get it's into so this. Funny. Everybody we'll loves get... the playing game, so you got to be in the playing game. Except for well, except for Curry, who who when he said he liked it, they were in ninth place because of course they were. But you know, yeah. it, it's going to create a funny situation there at the at the seven, eight, nine, and ten spot. Like you look at it, like the Lakers just lost to the Trailblazers, so now the Trailblazers have the uh, the tiebreaker yeah, over tiebreaker. the Lakers. So they like in my mind almost have it locked. And then you've got the Warriors who are only one game ahead of the Grizzlies. I think it would almost be better for the Warriors to lose and be in that nine spot so that they don't have to play the Lakers in the play-in tournament and can at least avoid them and finagle their way around a little bit. 
Oh, but if you if you win that first game against the Lakers, though, you can lock in at seven and just chill out. You don't even have to worry about playing mm-hmm. the other game then yeah. at that point. It's like play as little games as possible. There's I not the chance you. you could total like you could throw that game, but then you potentially get eliminated. Like that's the thing. Yeah. When you play that nine game, you you mess around and lose that nine game, and all of a sudden then you're out of the playoffs in general. Yeah. I know, but you know, it's it's the it's the would you rather go up against the Lakers, who are the defending champs, or potentially, and no dig at them, the Grizzlies or the Spurs, you know? I'd much rather play the Grizzlies or the Spurs, but I'm gonna if I'm locked in at eight, I'm gonna have to yeah. play the Lakers anyway, and I don't have anything to lose. Like my worst case scenario is I lose that game to the Lakers and I just am playing another game for my season. Like it's not yeah. ideal, but if I'm coming in at nine, I'm doing that anyway. So that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, shout out to uh, Nick Young for that tweet. And again, there's a, there's been a lot of discussion about the MVP tweet. Obviously, many many rabbit holes you can go down. We'll talk a little bit about that later. We'll talk a little more about the seating as well as we get into what to expect for the end of the season. Um, again, like Justin said at the beginning of the podcast, we're going to talk all the Nate Bjorkren drama in Indy and how he may be out after one season. Uh, who's balling? Who's fallen as well? So we'll take a look at the good and bad throughout the NBA. Leave us a review on iTunes, good or bad. We'll read them on the podcast. Um, if you are not an Apple user, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Amazon Music, Spreaker, Player, uh, Player FM, TuneIn, anywhere that you can find a podcast, you can find us. Yes, and shout out to the seven uh, subscribers so far on the Driving Dish NBA podcast. Would like to point out there was eight yesterday, so we lost somebody. Wow. Because I, I had this whole Elite Eight thing ready to go, and I just checked. We're down to seven. <laughs> Someone probably got mad at us, or maybe it's not enough content. I don't I don't know. Um, maybe that's a conversation for us to have another day. But... Uh, we do appreciate you guys following us there. If you want to follow along, watch the video version of the podcasts. Um, you can go there too. It doesn't have all the cool, funky production elements that our podcast does with the intro and all that stuff because uh, I don't want to put in the work to to make that happen. If we're going to be completely honest, <laughs> so if you want to uh, if you want to see it with or hear it with all that stuff, podcast. If you want to watch it so that there's a video element put us on your tv and take a photo and send it to us on social media then you find us on youtube just search drive and dish nba podcast and you'll find us there yeah i mean well that's the thing the video just it's not like it's live like if i Mm -hmm. like back in the day when we weren't doing the live video i would i mean we would have the video element of it but like if we messed Mm -hmm. up we would stop and start sometimes and like pick back up we're like this you're rolling for better or for worse and so if we're a little choppy once in a while well you know and you know like there's a there's a good chance i mess up uh you know nate's uh last name in here in a few moments so we're gonna give it a go and see how to do it i I got you. Don't worry. Bjorg, no, like I, I Bjorgren, but it doesn't like it doesn't flow off the mouth that easily. So I'm sure I'm gonna mess it up no, at some point. No, I know, you a- I know, I know. But it's like you're, you're mid talk, you're going, and then you just got to drop a Nate Bjorkren. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel right in your throat. No offense to his last name, it just feels weird to say. So I'm sure I'll mess it up. Either way, well, <laughs> the way things are going right now in Indy, you may not have to say it too, too much longer. I'll put it that way. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The Drive and Dish NBA can now be played hands-free. Just say to your Amazon Echo, Play podcast, The Drive and Dish NBA, and you can hear all our episodes. Well, let's jump right into it with the uh, with the uh, India Nate Bjorkman stuff. So, his future as the Pacers head coach in question. Woj tweets out just a few days ago amid a year of difficulties with players and staff. Indiana Pacers coach Nate Bjorkman future with the franchise is uncertain as regular seasons near an end. That's according to sources that are telling ESPN the Pacers at that point were 30 and 34 and ninth place in the Eastern conference and uh, currently are still in ninth place at 31 and 35. So just a few games. Um, Then Woj did go on to follow that tweet up saying that Bjorkren has work to do in the relationship with key players in his locker room. Um, apparently since the tweet had gone out, there had been some willingness within the organization to address those issue, issues and trying to fix it. So, you know, Shams then follows that up with Brogdon and uh, Sabonis are two of the players that aren't necessarily happy with Bjorgren's style of coaching. Uh, more specifically, he implemented an analytic style of coaching. Uh, apparently, the players don't like that, which seems to be a very common thing. When you go analytics, you take the human element out of it. That can create some problems because feelings and how players feel about the coach and how where their standings are don't necessarily show up when you take an analytical approach. So here we are. There's been a lot of injuries. I mean, TJ Warren's been out for, if I'm not mistaken, the whole season. Um, if not the very beginning of the season when he got injured. Miles Turner has been out. Uh, there was a lot of change. Obviously, this is this Bjorken's first time coaching the Pacers. Uh, should he have a little bit more of a leash than one year? That essentially is during a pandemic? I want to say yes, but I'm also like, if you've lost Brogdon and you've lost the bonus... Well, who are clearly your most important guys going forward. And, I mean, there's a report out that if you believe it, that T.J. Warren asked for a trade as soon as they hired him. Um, Yeah, it's hard for me. I don't want to – when it's just one report. But, I mean, the Pacers, I think, have pretty underwhelmed this year. I mean, the Pacers are ninth in the East right now. They're a half game up on Washington. Who, oh, by the way, is playing a lot better. Like, I think we we all expect Washington to jump Indy. 
I, I think there's definitely been some disappointment there. Now, again, there have been some changes made, obviously, with Oladipo getting traded and bringing Karis LeVert, then having the up and well, down with him. Thankfully, he's okay now, but two, you have two, those guys playing well in your locker room because there is a lot of talent there. I don't know. It, it's a weird situation, but I and I think it goes all goes back to something that we'll talk about a little bit later is I don't know why they fired Nate McMillan. Well, and to that, from reading a little bit about uh, SB Nation's Pacers page, you know, taking a deeper dive, there was some belief that those same players that are complaining about Nate now were complaining about the last head coach. And if that's the case, it's like, okay, well then you guys, you know, like, is this a player thing and you guys just not happy in general, or is this a, a specific way they're coaching you that you're upset with? Because if, it, if, if it is that, and, and they were upset, upset with, um, uh, McMillan, if, if, if it was, uh, Brogdon and Sabonis, just to point out the two that Shams tweeted about upset about both it's like okay well at, at some point it's like yo we we tried to change it for you guys and you're still not happy so I, so it's something else like you're you're projecting this upsetness which might just be the team's performance onto the coach which happens a lot and, and you know rightfully so in some cases you know yeah, and I mean, he's had some defense recently. Like, so in, Bjorken was in Toronto before this, and Nick Nurse came out and just said, yo, he's not difficult to work with. Like, that's a bald-faced lie. Well, and, um, There, and, there and have been reports that, within the organization that he hasn't done well with his assistants either, and I think that's a concerning point. And well, and to that, you know, a lot of these times, and, and this is why I wanted to bring up that second part that Woj brought up, was the willingness that he put out. He said that there's, ooh, <laughs> excuse me. He said that there's some <laughs> some some willingness on Bjorkren's side to to fix the problems within the organization. I'll be honest, in the past, every time we hear about coaches and and there being problems in the locker room, I don't think I've ever seen Woj follow it up with he's working on it or has shown the ability or the willingness to try to work on it. I think that's I think that's a big part of this that that may have been strategic in Woj putting that out, just saying like, yo, this is a problem. There is a problem. It got brought up, but they're working on it. You know, like imagine if, imagine if Schefter puts out the tweet about Aaron Rodgers, like, Hey, Aaron Rodgers demanded a trade and then follows it up with the green Bay Packers understand what was going on. They're working on repairing the relationship. We're at least talking about that because you know, now we're, now we're talking about, we're, we're, we're putting Aaron Rodgers on freaking Miami and the Washington football team and all these other teams and San Francisco, you know, like, so I think there's something to be said for the fact that that was followed up with that information, because, you know, a lot of the times too is, is you under, you got to look at who potentially leaked the information to Woj and, and Shams, like who, who does it benefit for this information being out, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so I think yeah, that. I mean, I. Well, right, go ahead. Uh, well, so I think that's a big part to look into it. You know, like if if the players want change, which is what it seems like, it's probably safe to assume the people that leaked this information may have been agents of players that want change. You know, yeah. and yeah, so. I mean, that's- with the Woj follow-up, that could have been Nate's side of things or the front office of the Pacers going, hey, we got to get ahead of this. We're already, we knew about this. We're working on it. We're trying to fix it right now, you know? I think at the minimum, 
we may seem, or, or what I can take away from this is that maybe if Dave Bjorkren is overwhelmed and they want to keep working and moving forward with him and not decide to just totally fire him right away, is that you just got to change the assistance at the minimum. I mean, this season started pretty well for Indy. That's what's crazy. Is like it's it, everything started well. It's just kind of imploded recently. I mean, they're thirty-one and thirty-five as of recording this podcast, which yeah. I definitely think is disappointing given the expectations that they had going into the season, expected to at least be higher into the playoff mix. Um, I, you know, there there were reports in the Indie Star about you know the 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 in, or the organization being worried about him as a person and just not being able to handle the head coaching job. I think that's a little more interesting, but that kind of goes to my points. Then you know this again. This is a first time NBA head coach. It's not an easy job. Surround him with strong assistants. Like get guys who have been around the block a little bit, who have that more veteran. Pre- you know the way you have a veteran presence in the locker room. You have a veteran coach on the staff that can help out a little bit, and and maybe it goes a little bit better. Or maybe the Pacers just decide to rip it off at the end of the year and go, look, we made a mistake. I mean, that is the one thing. Sometimes organizations do make mistakes. It, it's better to cop to it faster and just rip the bandaid off and move on and try to fix it than you know make a, a bad situation apparently all worse as this goes on into next year i i i agree you don't want to if it is if it is a serious problem then you got to rip the band-aid off and, and go from there and and try to I fix the problem you created. situation but but way. i guess the problem is is are we at a point where if if nate is let go um if, if he's let go then does that kind of confirm that they were wrong, which we all kind of said already, to late let Nate McMillan go? I mean, yeah, but to me, that at that point, that decision's already been made, and I like I don't fault them anymore for admitting they're wrong and and just saying, hey, we made a mistake. Like that's the end of the world. Like you can't change that. Now. Can Unfortunately, you? They can just retro. We, you know, Nate McMillan's off the market. He got hired. You know, he's now he's coaching Atlanta. Probably, he's probably going to have that. Probably going to land himself the head starting job over yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, he sure as hell earned that this year. The way the season's gone down there after Lloyd Pierce got let go and how he has them playing. But I mean, you can't get him back, obviously, which is quite unfortunate. But I, to me, I, I would I would have more faith going forward if my organization just goes, "Yo, we made a, a mistake, and that we're going to try to fix I this." Just, and Sometimes you just get it wrong. It's not great, and it makes me doubt the front office a little bit. And if I if I'm the owner, I'm looking at the front office, going, "Yo, y'all are on thin ice. Don't don't ruin this again. You got to make a correct decision here. You got to nail this higher." But I'm not going to fault them if they decide to move on from a mistake too fast. And 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 putting myself in the front office's shoes, if I'm if I'm the front office, definitely not coming out and saying we were wrong, uh, because because then that does put the like, "Hey, what did you do?" what I would be doing is arguing that this year is unlike any other. And because of the injuries, because of the coronavirus, because of the no fans, because of all this, we didn't get a fair shake this year and we should be given another year to run it back. You know, if I'm the, if I'm the front office fighting for my job, that's going to be my angle I'm taking with this Bjorkren stuff and, and saying that he can get it done. We just need to adjust a few things. The players are upset, but it's because everyone's under extra stress, you know, and let us, let us prove it that we can do it during a normal year, which is hopefully next year. We'll see. Um, you know, and, and I think it's that's everybody gets their vaccines. Yeah. And so I'm hoping if, if I'm the front office, that's, that's the argument I'm taking, you know, 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I and I think they'll use that. Like, I'm not expecting Indy to drastically shake up the front office this offseason. I think at the minimum, there's going to be some sort of change, even if they don't fire Bjorkren. Again, I think the coaching staff is going to get radically shaken up. But I do think there's a high chance they fire Nate Bjorkren. Like, I don't think this whole, like, this just doesn't accidentally get out, especially as the Pacers are in a playoff race. Put it that well, way. Like, yeah. I know we're saying it's a disappointment, but, like, they're fighting for the playing game. We've got a week left. Like, if, if I'm Indy... You know, I'm trying to make this push. You're still a game and a half behind Charlotte. You have time to get even into the eighth seed and play this game against the Miami or Boston, whoever that ends up being. Um, I feel like that's a you got to do that if if you're indie. The timing is definitely weird there, but it, you know you don't want to make it seem like it's a lost season before it's 100 percent lost. Yeah, well, and the Pacers had a, a pretty decent uh, win last. Uh, it was either last night or the night before over um, over the Hawks, who were who were really working on a comeback. So, you know, they're they're still getting wins. Um, you know, uh, there was a conversation about how essentially their um, defense is the problem. They're like 16th in the league for defense, but then you talk about it. Miles Turner's been out for a little bit. You know, Karis LeVert was was out with his situation for a while. And so you wonder if if them getting back into it or when they get back into it helps that defense, whether it's this year or next year. You know, like I, I wonder if that kind of helps the situation. And then at the end of the day, winning kind of silences all. So if they keep winning you know, next year, if they come out and they're winning, I feel like we won't be hearing that this is a problem if, if Bjorkman's still there, you know? Yeah, they've just been, I think they've fallen short of expectations the past couple of years, and that's what's been disappointing. Now, again, a lot of it has been due to injury. I think, you know, Victor Oladipo obviously struggled with injuries while he was there as well. Um, but it, it's definitely been disappointing, so we'll see. To, if they make any changes uh not disappointing is atlanta atlanta's still in the five seed right now like we said nate mcmillan has just been doing an incredible job there now they do have miami hot on their heels um only a half game back as mm-hmm. right now miami has the game in hand so they could potentially be tied with atlanta but i mean this is a team who whether really the absence of trey young has trey young back now he's playing excellent um I mean, even if, if there are three or a six, I mean, we talk about at the beginning of the year and in the first really half of the season on the podcast, all that money, the hundreds of billions of dollars that they spent in the offseason trying to make the playoffs, you know, give them credit for, you know, ramping up the expectations when necessary. And, you know, they're they're going to be a fearsome team in the playoffs. Like, I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to win a series because I think, you know, depending – if they drop to six, I think it's going to be tough, whether you have Brooklyn, whether you have Milwaukee, um, whichever one of those two it ends up being is I think they'll – not win that series ideal situation obviously for them is they got to get five they got five i don't know that they're favorites against the knicks but they could beat the knicks and it wouldn't surprise me well and and to that the knicks are only a half game ahead of them you know so even they could be the four and the knicks could be the five um but yeah but they could to, be miami yeah to my prediction uh and, and we can get into this later on because we're going to talk about the rest of the week to my prediction i had the heat and celtics being over the knicks and hawks because i thought the experience would get them there I think the Heat still have a decent chance to do it. Uh, we'd have to look at, at at potential tiebreakers and things like that. But um, I, at this point, I, it's probably pretty fair to say that the Celtics probably won't with 35. That's two games back. And depending on how that kind of sorts out, I don't think they will. But there's still a chance the Heat get themselves into that fourth spot, depending on how you know things shake out and how close things are. So... Um, I agree with you. I think best case scenario for the Hawks is you end up going up against the Knicks. And, and 
you know, I talked about how I wanted that because it's two of the younger teams with the younger stars uh, for that argument, you know, get them going up against each other. And then it could become a, a pretty consistent rivalry that we see in the playoffs, you know, going forward for for a few years uh, to come. And, and if they do even better than a bunch of years to come. So I kind of like the idea of those two m- meeting up in the in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it would like you said. Certainly, the young talent element is there. Um, I Miami's cooking right now, and that's the thing is, I do think their experience mm-hmm. is going to matter. And I wonder about them. Now, the vibes are good with the Knicks, and the Knicks have, have continued to win big games, so they've yeah. lost two going into this podcast. Um, that's kind of where you wonder. I mean, the Knicks have the game in hand on Atlanta. Put it that way. So they're yeah. half up on Atlanta. So they could be a full game there with five to go. Um, I mean, really, it just comes down to the schedule. So I'm, I'm going to pull up the Knicks, Atlanta, and Miami schedules right now. But I do think, I mean, it's something that we said all year. It's like, I do think Miami is the best of these three teams. Like, they've just done this before. They went to the finals last year. Like, it sure Well, at like the end of the day, now. at the end of the day, it comes down to, like, who are you putting your trust in? You know, Jimmy Butler for the Heat is probably going to get my trust out of out of those three teams. You know, yeah, Jimmy's the best player. Like Julius Randle's probably had right. the best regular season, but Jimmy's the best player. You've got Bam against right. Tyler Hero. All these other guys got this experience last year. Like that really matters. Now Miami has a massive game uh, tomorrow against Boston on national television, so that's going to be a big one. I mean, that's I don't want. One. Boston got shellacked by Chicago last night, and that's a concerningly bad loss. Um, I, every time it feels like Boston has just hit the switch. They yeah. run into something, and that's no, you know, no pun to Jalen Brown either. Who, you know, they ran into each other. And he had to miss a couple of games. Yeah, of that, that was scary. That was scary. Yeah, that, yeah. Glad he's okay. Um, but but, but that definitely was a, a concern there, no doubt about that. Um, all right. So the Knicks' last five are against the Clippers, the Lakers, both in LA, against the Spurs, against the Hornets, and against Boston. So that's a pretty mm, tough schedule. Yeah. I mean, the two losses are against Denver and Phoenix, so you know you kind of chalk it up to that. But this is a difficult road trip. Again, you hope you catch the Lakers at a, at a good time with injuries, but they say LeBron is going to play next week, so we'll see what happens on that see, front. But even if San Antonio I'm... is playing for play-in games, so that's not going to... I mean, the easiest game there is Charlotte, and Charlotte's fighting for playoff spots. If I'm the Lakers and I, you know, we can look at the the standings and all that stuff. But if I'm the Lakers, man, at this point, I am cutting my losses, resting LeBron until the playoffs, and then hoping to God when he comes in, he's good to go. You know what I mean? Like, I just God, accept that you're playing play in usually. Yeah, because if you bring him back and he re aggravates it, then he's hurt for this play in anyway. It's like, dude. You might as well just make sure you're 100% loaded, ready to go for this play in tournament because at this point, it looks like you're probably going to get it. You know, like you're in the, I think it's seventh right now. Um, hold on, let me pull it up. You're, you're, yeah, you're in the seventh spot. You've got three over the Warriors. Ah, you're two and eight in the last 10. I mean, I, I'm just, God forbid. You put LeBron back out there to try to make sure that you can, or try to get out of the play in, right? Um, if you do that, so the trip, but so here's the problem the Trailblazers, who just beat the Lakers, now own the tiebreaker. Um, so they're, at, they're a game ahead. So you need to get two games just to get out of it. 
So if you bring LeBron James back trying to do that, which is a tall task with, you know, only five games left, and he re-aggravates his ankle or gets hurt again and can't play, well, then there goes the season. Yeah, it's over. It's Whereas, over. right, rest LeBron for five more games. Hopefully that's enough for his ankle. And then you're good to go and then just buckle down and, and accept that you got to go through the playing tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's looking like, I mean, losing that tiebreaker is so huge. You know, again, Portland's been kind of up and down, too, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, coming back east real quick. So, I mean, the Hawks have the easiest schedule by far of this last. So the Hawks have four left. They've got a pair with Washington, who, again, Washington's playing great. That's, I'm not just going to call that a, a, right. a guaranteed win for Atlanta at this point. I think quite the opposite. But then their last two are against Orlando and Houston. You have got to win those games if you're um, Atlanta. And in the case of well, Orlando and, and Houston <laughs> – they're probably not trying to win games at if this they, point either. So yeah, if they do win games, they're going to be pissed off about it. You don't want to be winning right. those games. So Miami has Miami's is tough. Miami's got two with Boston, um, but so they can control their own destiny though on that front. But they're both in Boston. Then they've got Philly on Thursday. Then they've got mm-hmm. Milwaukee, and then they've got Detroit. So they've got a, a cupcake at the end of the season with Detroit. But it's like all four of those games are going to be tough. Well, Honestly, I think you're probably hoping the Sixers have one locked up, and at that yeah. point, or maybe even resting players. Now that that's going to depend on what happens tonight against Detroit, and then the Sixers have to beat Indy as well. Um, but I mean, there's a possibility that I, I think that, you know, I, that's a very winnable game though for Miami, put it that way. Again, the way Boston has played, they're going to have to earn it. But if Miami goes out and beats Boston twice, if you're able to win, you know, I just see them though, dropping one of these games where I think Atlanta has a pretty good shot to go at the minimum three and one, you have to split the games with Washington. You can't, and then win the last two. If you're Atlanta, you cannot, I mean, best case scenario, obviously is you win all four, you win all four, then you're controlling your own destiny and you could very well be four because the Knicks schedule is tough too. Like, you know, we mentioned those teams, I mean, the Knicks could very well lose that game to the Clippers. I, I actually think if nobody's playing, they could probably beat the Lakers. The Spurs are the wild card, and then I think they have to beat Charlotte and then have to beat Boston if they want to get four. Um, but Atlanta has the best path going forward. Um, again, they have a, a game less. The Knicks have this game in hand. So the Knicks can be a full game up on Atlanta. Um and the Heat have the opportunity to tie Atlanta as well. Um, but if I'm looking at those last four games, again, Atlanta has the best chance to go 3-1, and 4-0 and oh over those games. And so I have to feel pretty good if I'm a Hawks fan that I can, yeah. you know, at the minimum be 4 or 5, put it that way. And that's what I think you're looking for. Now, if I'm the Hawks, I'd rather play New York than play Miami. It's, it's plain and simple. Miami has the experience. New York doesn't. Now, do I think that New York is probably the favorites against Atlanta? Absolutely. But – no disrespect, I think either of these teams are the favorites against Atlanta. So um, at that point, I'll take the inexperience over the team that just made the finals last year. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, and you know, just to echo what I was saying is, is I hope it's I hope it's Knicks Hawks, but I could see it being uh, even with that. I you know I could see the Heat getting in there and it being Heat Knicks and then Hawks being in that uh, that sixth spot and. Uh, you know, Boston is not totally out of this either. Like we said, if they beat Miami right. twice, they can jump right back into six real quick. Like they of control course. their own destiny a little bit as well. So that's one of the big things to watch here over the last part of the season. We'll get into the rest of what we're going to else we're going to be watching here in a second. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It is time for Who's Ballin' and Who's Fallin' on the Drive and Dish podcast. So for balls for me this week, I've got Bohan Bogdanovich, 48 points last night against Denver as Utah clinched the Northwest Division. So congrats to Utah. Um, obviously, they're going to be hoping to clinch that number one seed in the West as well. Um, but since Donovan Mitchell went down with that ankle injury 11 games ago, he's been averaging 24 points a game um, on 52, 44, and 91. Um, he's 8 of 11 last night against Denver. Um, I mean, he's really, really, we, we wondered um, where the offense would come from Mentioned him having to step up big time when Donovan Mitchell went down. Obviously, the focal point of that offense. And, you know, good for him. He's really helped to keep afloat. And, and I guess it kind of gets into my greater point is we always – and even I'm guilty of this sometimes too – is like we always kind of disrespect Utah. Like they don't have a very real chance to win this thing this year. Yeah, and I think we'll continue to do that until they really make like a statement in the playoffs. And I'm not sure why we do that, but that's just how it is. I think it's going to be the it, – it, at least it feels the same way almost for like the, the top um, three, four seeds a little bit. Like I feel like until the jazz suns, Clippers and nuggets show us something in the playoffs, probably not going to believe it until it's actually happening. You know? Yeah. I think less with the suns because the suns have Chris Paul. And True. I think for better or for worse, he'll get the benefit of the doubt with that. I also think people remember, I mean, because again, they didn't make the playoffs, but like the Suns won nine straight last year in the yeah. bubble. Like to basically be in position. That's something. Yeah. That should have mattered. Um, I, so I, I think in a weird way, they don't have that as much. Um, now, if the Suns totally flop on their face this year, that could change as soon as next season. Like, I think it wouldn't be that way for the Clippers, obviously, if it wasn't the way last year. Right. And I think if you thought on their first-round series last year, if they had finished that series against Denver, I think the situation there might be a little different as well. But I think now they're kind of in that prove-it boat. I also think they could change that real quick. Like, anybody yeah. they get right off the rip, I mean, if Utah is number one, number two, I mean, you're talking about 
potentially playing the Lakers. You're playing Steph Curry in the first round. Like, you know, you're not going to get somebody easy, even if you get no. Memphis. Like, I think Memphis has been good. They're still in the mix as well. Uh, no offense, San Antonio. I'm sorry, because San Antonio is playing really tough, but they're just they're under 500. Like, I'm, I don't want to. I'm not as worried about them, I guess, as as the others. Um, I, I still think, obviously, they they Lakers is as tough if you're playing the Lakers at seven. Um, I think they handle whoever they get at eight for the record. Even even as great as Steph is, I don't think this uh, Warriors team is uh, going to win a playoff series this year. No, and and you know a little bit, a few of those comments will eventually get me into my my. You know, we were talking about the the Spurs, and well, the Pelicans were were close. I mean, they're two games back right now in the eleventh, but that'll that'll get us into my falling a little later down the line. But uh, my ball in is going out to um, Andrew Wiggins, and it's because a, a couple weeks ago Stephen A. Smith came out and said that he wouldn't trade or give away Wiggins for a bag of cookies. Uh, pretty much said there's just something about him that says he doesn't want it. Because, uh, you know, every year there has to be somebody that criticizes Andrew Wiggins and his game. And so this was it. Andrew Wiggins since then has averaged 23.4 points per game, 4.6 rebounds per game, uh, a little over a block and a half per game, 50% field goal, 42% from three, and 40 or 92%, 42%, 92% free throw percentage which is uh, pretty much, I mean, if you were to keep in track that he's putting up 50, 40, and 90 stats. Yeah, I mean, he's been, yeah, he's been wonderful. Um, he's been a really solid second option, and that's what you can ask for for the Warriors. I mean, I like the Warriors haters, I think, will always just come from the fact that he's never going to quite develop into that number one talent. Um, I also think it's because of the contract. I think people will look at that and go, he's extremely overpaid. He's never been what you know, what he had the hype to be, put it that way. I mean, we remember all the winless for Wiggins hype going all the way back to 2014. But Andrew Wiggins is a total scrub either. And that's where it's like Stephen A. Smith, come on. Like, yeah, the contract is bad. And that's where I think it loses the value. But like Andrew Wiggins has been really solid defensively this year. He's generally been guarding team's best players night in and night out. You know, like we said, I I don't want to give all the credit to that comment, but he's been on a, a generally great streak right now. Yeah. And again, with a Warriors team that is a little undermanned, not dealing, not having James Wiseman, not having Kelly Oubre right now for um, dealing with that wrist injury. So uh, the fact that they're mm-hmm. staying afloat, I mean, he's been that bona fide second option on offense, and so I think you have to give him the credit there. I think I think you know again. I think there will always be that narrative around Andrew Wiggins, but that doesn't mean that you just suddenly take him or suddenly could just come out and be like, oh, he's a bad NBA player. I think that's extremely unfair. Where do you think – sorry, you just got me thinking about this. Where do you think Andrew Wiggins would go if you redrafted the 2014 draft? Because there are some names on here. Let me look I mean, at it. so um, so here here's how it went. Here, 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 here's what it went. Wiggins was number one. Jabari wow. Parker went number two, and I remember those. That was like the big two. And then Joel yeah. Embiid was Embiid hurt. Went three. Embiid went three. Aaron Gordon went number four. Dante Exum went fifth. Marcus Smart went sixth. Julius Randle went seventh. And then you start getting a little more open. I mean, Nick Stauskas, uh eighth. Alfred Payton went tenth. Uh, which, by the way, was picked by the uh, by Philly. We should point that out. Oh, he got traded. He got traded yeah. right away for Dario. It was a fleecing. Yeah. A damn hanky fleece. Yeah, because then you jump down to Orlando, who took Dario. Zach Levine went 13th. 
TJ Warren uh, went 14th. Nurkic, oh, Nurkic went 16th. Is, the big one is Jokic. Jokic went 41 in this draft. Yeah, he's not even on this Denver, first list. Yeah. Denver, Denver drafted Nurkic and Jokic in this draft. I mean, remember when that was a decision yeah. at one point? Yeah. Um, obviously, Denver made the correct one there, and that was the big thing when they were moving on from Nurkic. I mean, this draft, if you were to redo it, it's essentially like, what do you, what do you want at one? Like, who do you think is easier to build around? Do you it think would have to be, yeah. It would have to be Jokic or Embiid. I, honestly, I think if you take it back and, and with the injury concern with Embiid, you're probably going Jokic. Oh, if there's the injury concern, then you and you know how it turns out, then it's no doubt Jokic. Right. I think you could pretty strongly argue Jokic now at number one. Yeah. I might, my homer a little bit may kick in and say I would take JoJo one, but I think like, I mean, with Joel and with, and with Jokic, they're the clear one too. After that, I probably would take Zach Levine three. Um, and mm-hmm. then I would probably go with it's crazy because they wouldn't have been this way before this year. I probably would take Julius Randle four. Um, and then at that point you'd start to you know you start to go down. I mean I mean TJ Warren's in consideration. Aaron Gordon. Did you say Aaron Gordon? Aaron Gordon's in yeah. consideration. Um, I would my top five would be either Jokic and Bead one two, and then Levine at three, and then Randall at four. Oh man, it gets hard after that. I'm probably Aaron Gordon at five. I want to say Do you put barely. Uh... Uh, you know, honestly, though, the the spark, and maybe it's just because I feel like the Sixers have been burned by him so much from Marcus Smart. Like, I feel oh, like I, he's like, such a team guy. I know, but I, I just don't think Marcus Smart can do as much as Aaron Gordon can naturally. And that's, that's fair. It, and we are seeing that a bit with, with the Nuggets. I mean, the Nuggets are holding on without, you know, and, and he's only been there for a short period of time. I want to pull up. I'm pulling up the NBA draft because I want to see the like career win shares and warp and all the stuff like that as it's ranked. Oh um, man! Oh, Clint Capella was in this draft too. That's a good call. Clint Capella would go. He would go not at five, but he would go probably higher there. Um, just look. Just looking at the advanced numbers real quick. Kyle Anderson. He's been another one that's been good in this draft. Um, Dwight Powell was in this draft. Yeah, dude. I mean, there's a lot of Gary Harris. I mean, there's a lot Jeremy of Grant too. Jeremy Grant low. Jeremy Grant's 39. Joe Harris is 33. Um, you know, TJ Warren 19. Nurkic, uh, Jordan Clarkson was in this draft. He's a second round pick at 46. Like, this is a good, good draft. There's a lot of <laughs> like starters, rotation players in this mix. Right. I think. I think as of right now, just knowing the way it's played out, I think I take Aaron Gordon five. Um, again, Levine and, and Randall are my three, four, and then the one, two has got to be Jokic or Embiid. It's it's just pick whichever one you want. I'm going to say Joe jokes. I'm a homer, um, but I mean, if you go off the advanced Ooh. numbers, Jokic has him smoked. How yeah? How crazy is that? I mean, Jokic has a 33.5 value above replacement, and Embiid's I thought was high at like 13.8. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Jokic, Jokic is really good offensively, man. And like, yeah, you really got to special offensively. Even Jokic would also say make the argument it's easier to build around because he's so yeah, good offensively. That's what I mean. Like, but, Joel, I, but Joel, you also can build an entire defense around. Like, that's the thing is, like, look at how good this. I mean, the Sixers are a one seed built around Joel Embiid being the key 
element and the key force in every factor of that game. So I think that I that know. I want to. I want to homer up with you. I just think you got to go Jokic number one. No, I mean that's fair. I'm not even mad at that at all. I, I love Jokic a lot. I'm not one of these people who can't enjoy both of them. I think they're both super special. Yeah. It's a, you know, they're leading the big man renaissance right now, essentially. Um, all right, so. I don't even. All right, what were we doing? We, we were gotta, falling right now. We gotta do. We gotta do falling. Yeah. Who was falling? So you had Wiggins as your falling. Uh, falling for me. I had the Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns yeah. beef, and it, I don't even really want to say that this is falling because I love it in a way. Like I love the general spiciness there, but um, they were caught on hot mic. The the Heat beat the Timberwolves the other night, but um, Jimmy Butler is basically like, "You soft as baby blank. You a loser. You a loser." Already punked you once. Carl Anthony Towns is clapping back. Of course, the Timberwolves have beat the Heat twice this season, so I'm sure he's taking a little bit of satisfaction there. Of course, Timberwolves have 20 wins this season with Heat fighting for a playoff spot as well. Um, either way, though, this is uh, this is not beef that's going to go away anytime soon. I love it. I'm here for it. I mean, you saw we, we were talking about this off uh, off the show before we started with with Edwards. You know, they were asking him about who got emotional out there, and he said the zebras. Talking about the refs saying that they weren't letting them, you know, play and get physical and get into it. Which I think if if Edwards is your rookie, if you're a fan of the Timberwolves, you love that that he's not like shying away from you know, the contact or the, the beef or the arguments. Like he said, like, that's part of the game. We want to get into it. The refs aren't letting us do it and blah, blah, blah. So I think you'd like that out of your rookie. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's fallen for sure because, uh, you know, getting into a situation like that, I mean, for, you know, Jimmy Butler, if we're going to say it specifically like that, obviously was a game you couldn't lose because of how tight the, yeah, the situation yeah, is. You so, you can't risk getting kicked out of the game, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was late for what it yeah, was I know, worth, I so I think there was that, too. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, the refs are calling it tight. Anthony Edwards talking about that. D'Angelo Russell got tossed. Um, so, there, you know, there were are, it, it was chippy, to say the least. But, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was coming towards the end of the game. So, um, yeah. at, at least at that point, it was well locked up. But, I, I in a way, I love it, but... These two are definitely not going to be friends anytime soon. I don't think yeah. uh, I don't think we're going to see a reunion at least for a little bit. Uh, all right, who's falling for you this week? Fallen for me is actually going to go out to a team that's upset about all the physicality and violence. Um, Woj tweeting out that Zion Williamson fractured his left ring finger. Uh, he's going to be sidelined indefinitely, obviously. And then Dave Griffin comes out and says that he's injured because of the open season, as he put it. Uh, that there has been on Zion Zion in the paint. He's been absolutely mauled in the paint on a regular basis. And there's uh, to a point where other players have said to him, I'm going to keep doing this to you because they don't call it. He said, there's more violence encouraged in the paint than any player I've ever seen since Shaq. It's egregious and horrific. Then when Shaq was doing it and it's the same now, we need to protect our stars. I mean, I respect David Griffin coming out and stepping up for his guys. I mean, obviously, you're devastated if you're New Orleans. I mean, of give course. them credit. They gave, the, they gave the Sixers everything they could handle last night. Um, yeah. But this essentially, I mean, they already would have needed some help to catch San Antonio. Granted, they kind of had it with how difficult San Antonio's schedule is. Um, but this essentially ends any remote play in chance there. So I think there's obviously the disappointment around that. Of course, I think it's protecting your guy because Zion is super special. He has been great, just dominant in the paint this year. I mean, the Shaq comparisons come up because he's scoring in the paint like Shaq. It's kind of like, you know, him and Giannis are just these elite 
paint finishers. They just don't miss around the rim like that. And so I understand it. I mean, you want to try to, because I mean, you do, you get, you get the crap beaten out of you in the paint. And it probably is a situation where you get less called on you. And I think when you see, you know, given the way with the landing zone, given the way with the follow through sometimes on jump shots and the way that those get called. And even for, you know, if you're looking at a paint player, the way fouls get called for Joel Embiid, I think it's pretty fair to say that they don't get called like that yet for Zion. And so I think even if you don't change it this year, it is the the bringing awareness to it so that yeah. he can start to take advantage of some of these calls. Because, I mean, he is. He's getting walled in the paint. How else do you stop him? He's so big. Like, that's the thing is he's always going to take that extra bit of oomph from everybody because you're just going to have to kind of use your strength to try to slow him down a little bit. Yeah. And, and I get it. Um, you know, if, if I'm Zion, then you got to decide how you want it to go. Are you bulking up even more or are you, you know, getting more elusive, you know, adjust to the, the, the way they're playing you a little bit too, is how I feel like it should be approached as well. But yes, you're not, you can't let them absolutely murder someone down low, but at the same time, I don't want the game plan to be, Hey, let's get it to Giannis or Giannis Zion down low and just let him go to the line every time you know yeah no i mean absolutely but you gotta respect you gotta respect david griffin he's playing the game old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex oh heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived Spring Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yeah. Um, all right, so we have about a week left of the regular season, a little bit more than a week. Um, by next Sunday, the 17th, so we were recording this on the 8th. By next Sunday, it's going to be over. Uh, the mm-hmm. season will be completely over. Um, we'll be getting ready to go into the playoffs. We'll be watching playing games. And so, you know, just a look ahead to next week, that'll essentially be our previews for that, for the playing game. And for, you know, we'll take a look at it, the seeding for all that, our first round predictions and such. Um, I mean, but still a lot to be decided. It feels like we talked about this last week. It feels like the 10 teams in both conferences are decided at this point, like who's yeah. going to make the playoffs and who's going to make the play in games again with Zion getting hurt. It kind of knocks the Pelicans out. I think that that, you know, changes any potential shakeup at the bottom of the West with Memphis and San Antonio. Um, I mean, Sacramento is still not technically eliminated either, but I mean, they would need a ton of, ton of help at this point. Um, in the East, I mean, uh, Chicago's three back, Toronto's four back at this point. It doesn't seem like they're going to catch Washington the way Washington is playing. If anything, I think we'd have Indy slip a little more. Um, you know, Charlotte's got LaMelo back a little bit. Um, but I guess really with a week left, what are you looking forward to the most? I mean, for me, it's just all about the top of the conferences right now. Um, those are the races that I'm watching, less in the Eastern Conference. I mean, the East is essentially locked up. So the Sixers are up three on Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Um, Milwaukee and Brooklyn will have to figure out what's going to happen with home court there. I, I think Milwaukee yeah. has a significantly easier schedule. I mean, the Bucks may not lose the rest of the year. 
And that's kind of, you know, what the Sixers, if the Sixers have a game against Miami, that's their hardest game by far um, of the ones they have left. They've got Detroit later tonight, but they're in a situation where if they win three of these last five games, it'll 100% be locked up. But if the Bucks or Nets lose any of these games, then they only really need to win two. Uh, the Sixers have two with Orlando. Um, they've got a game with Miami, and then they've got this game with Detroit. So, I mean, they're in a, a pretty prime position to lock it up. Now, Milwaukee does have the tiebreaker. That's the only reason I'm saying that, that really that I'm even mentioning this at this point, is that Milwaukee does have the tiebreaker if they're able to make up the ground somehow. Um, Brooklyn does not. And so to that point, the Sixers basically – I mean, if the Sixers beat Detroit tonight, they're going to finish ahead of Brooklyn. At that point, it'd just be worried about Milwaukee. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then it's you – know, like we talked a little bit earlier, the race for that that four, five, six, and even seven matchup is, is going to be – you know take shape here over the next week to watch, to watch New York and Atlanta and Miami and Boston – um, Charlotte's going to be in the play-in game. Indy's going to be in the play-in game. Washington's going to be in the playoff game, play-in game. I'm interested to see if Washington can get all the way up to eight um, and avoid, you know, basically give whoever seven a fit in the first round and, and kind of avoid that um, that nine ten game. The way they're chugging right now, they certainly have the opportunity to. And like you said, too, with Atlanta, they can really shake up the seating a lot if they're able to win both those games. So I think that's probably – those are the biggest things in the Eastern Conference at least for me to watch. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked heavily about the Knicks through Celtics, essentially, and where we think those will end up. Uh, end up. But yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think, uh, you know, obviously, selfishly, we're excited to see where the Sixers land, and I hope it stays pace, and we are the number one seed getting out of the, the East. I think that's best-case scenario. Uh, obviously, matchup-wise, you definitely want, want that to be going, and so... I like that for the for the Sixers. Yeah, in the in the East, I feel like it's less exciting than than the West. Yeah, the West is I'm like more seeding is to be decided in the West, but the West just has more teams that could get kind of trapped back into the play-in game. I mean, yeah. the West the, the big competition in the West right now is for number 1 between Utah and Phoenix. And I think mm-hmm. given the state of the play-in game and wherever the Lakers are going to be is going to be the thing to watch because no one wants to play the Lakers in the first round. I mean, <laughs> right. no one. Especially after the season you've had. I mean, that's the rare scenario if everybody's healthy where you could potentially be an underdog as a one or a two seed, which is pretty crazy. Um I mean, then the Clippers I think have to be thrilled. I mean, because the Clippers in Denver, their discussion has been, you know, it, do you want five or do you want six? If the Lakers jump back into six, all of a sudden that three seed gets a whole lot less attractive. The Clippers are up one game on Denver right now. I do anticipate the Clippers finishing that and being at three. Um, Denver will be at four. No one's going to catch that top four. Um, Dallas has clinched a playoff spot. They're at five right now. They've won three straight and done a good job of kind of getting themselves out of the playing game situation. But I mean, that's, that's really where it's worth watching. It's at five, six, and seven. It's with Dallas. It's with Portland. It's with the Lakers. Who can step up and avoid the playing game and are the Lakers going to actually drop this far eight nine and ten are locked up essentially with the Warriors and the Grizzlies and the Spurs I don't really think any of them are going to get knocked out those three particular teams are going to be jockeying over seeding like I think if you're Memphis who's a half back of the Warriors right now the Spurs are a game and a half back you're obviously trying to get that seven or eight seed and and avoid getting knocked out in the nine or ten game so I think that Mm -hmm. Memphis versus Golden State particularly is worth watching San Antonio again just gets brutalized by the schedule like I think they're just going to end up having to play in this 9 and 10 game just because of how difficult it is the hardest schedule in the entire league the rest of the way um you know but for Memphis and for Golden State that's definitely worth watching um I'm going to pull up their schedules here real quick um but the other three as well with Dallas and with Portland with the Lakers like it's crazy that we're talking about it with the Lakers and again I'm not going to jump off the 
I, I've been saying the whole year that if they're healthy, they're the favorites, but it, it's pretty jarring to see that they have to make play in a play-in game. Well, and, and you know my stance on it. I think they should just accept that they're going to be in the playing game and kind of, you know, rest as much as possible. Obviously, make sure you're in the playoffs in general for the playing game. I don't think you'll fall that far out, but but make sure you're in the you know make sure you're healthy for the playoffs. I don't think I don't think you want to make this grand push to get out of the playoff or the playing tournament and just to have only 50% of LeBron James and then you get bounced in, you know, you get bounced in the, in the first round or something like that. So I think there's a really good chance that the Lakers are in there and I think they should accept it. I know, you know, there's some games they are going to do their best to get out of it and, and, or at least try, but that loss to the trailblazers kind of felt like the, the one that's going to like almost make it near impossible a little bit, you know? So Memphis has, Going back to Memphis and Golden State real quick. Memphis has six left. They've got Toronto. They've got the Pelicans. They've got Dallas. They've got a pair with Sacramento, and they've got Golden State. So that Golden State game obviously could be massive at the last one of the season. Um, yeah. But really, I mean, if they're able to beat Sacramento twice, if they're able to beat the Pelicans without Zion, if they're able to beat Toronto, who's not really in playoff position right now, I mean, Memphis can be in a, a really good position. Yeah. Um, compare that to the Warriors, who – um, they have five left. They have OKC, which should be a win. They have Utah, Phoenix, the Pelicans, and Memphis. So it's a little tougher for them. Obviously, with Utah and Phoenix jockeying for spots, they're not exactly going to take games off. That's a back-to-back, too. But, I mean, if you're able to beat OKC tonight, which I think they – I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do, um, you would still maintain that spot on eight. If you know, if you go three and one the rest of the way, and you beat Memphis, I think they'll be able to probably lock into that spot. That it could very well come down to it. Um, that last game of the season for who's going to be the eight or who's going to be the nine, and potentially avoid that first game. So that's definitely worth watching. Um, with Dallas and Portland, with the Lakers, like I, I agree with you. I think that the sense that the Portland owns the tiebreaker is just so huge. Because mm-hmm. um, even I mean, like we said, now you got to make up a game, but really you have to make up two. We're going to run out of time here fast. I mean, we were talking about five games, I mean, tops left. Um, looking at Portland's schedule, Portland has San Antonio, Houston, Utah, Phoenix, and Denver. So Portland's schedule is tough. That is the thing. It's like you're not going to get – other than Houston, you don't have a single cupcake game there. I think they have to beat San Antonio. Like they play San Antonio tonight, which is tough off a back-to-back game. Uh, but I think these San Antonio and Houston games both in Portland are essentially must-wins. And at that point, you know, you got to feel pretty good because the Lakers have Phoenix. That could very well be a loss. Um, and they could do you some favors there. They've got New York, who's going to be fighting for playoff spots, but they've got Houston, Indy, and New Orleans. That's a significantly easier schedule for the Lakers. So I do think there is a, a scenario where the Lakers still can dig themselves out of this hole without really having to do too much. You know, um, if LeBron comes back next week, you know, if chalk the L to Phoenix essentially, but if you beat New York with LeBron next week, I don't even think you'd have to play him in the back to back against Houston to potentially win that game. If you can handle your business and take care of India and take care of New Orleans, I think there is a situation where if Portland stumbles, again, these last three games are really tough or stumbles to San Antonio, you can make up that ground. Yeah, no, you can. It, it's just, uh, yeah, you know, you're you're risking it with the injury or re-aggravating LeBron's ankle, and then next thing yeah. you know, you're going into the playoff shorthanded. And if your if your end game obviously is is winning it all, that's the last spot you kind of want to be in, you know. 
Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Dallas has the easiest schedule the rest of the way. I think they'll be fine to avoid the play-in. Um, they've got Cleveland, Memphis, New Orleans, Toronto, and Minnesota. they got to win it. it. To me, at the minimum, three of those games, they've yeah. got a cushion, though, as well. But I think there's definitely plenty of scenarios where they go forward one and you know end up either at five or six, which is where they need to be. I think Dallas probably ends at five, though. They've got the easiest schedule of those three teams. Yeah. Yeah. No, I kind of agree. It's going to be a great week and uh, a fun one to watch some basketball for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely time to lock in. It's multiple screen season. We are certainly excited about it. Um, a whole lot of fun to have. Uh, and, you know, it's unfortunately stay up late for us season for the East Coast, <laughs> you know, 10 p.m. starts. It's uh, I, it's one of the few times I, I like generally being on East Coast time, uh, yeah. but it is definitely one of the, the few times I'm, I'm envious of the West Coasters being able to start those well, East Coast games early and get regular time uh, late games. I had a I had a buddy that moved out to Vegas, and the first thing he texted me is like, "Dude, it's amazing working. Like, you just have sports on the whole time. Like, while yeah. you're working, there's a sports going on." And I was like, I "Honestly, the, that's amazing." When I worked the overnight shift, when I worked like midnight to nine a.m. type, yeah, deal, when I was first breaking into news, like way back in the day when we were starting the podcast. I, it would be great in that regard because I would. Yeah. I'd, get to, I'd get to watch. I'd wake up at like 5. I'd watch all the East Coast games with no question. I'd usually get most of the West Coast games. Or even if I was going into work, like I'd be able to catch the end of them there. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's it definitely advantageous at this time of year, no doubt about it. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Driving Dish NBA podcast. We appreciate you guys. Uh, we'll be back next week with some first-round predictions, some playing predictions, so stay tuned for that. Uh, find the podcast anywhere you have podcasts on Apple. Leave us a review on iTunes. Good or bad or read them on the podcast. Not an Apple user. Google Play Store, Amazon Music, Spreaker, TuneIn, Player FM, Stitcher. We are there. And become our eighth follower on YouTube. Uh, just search <laughs> Drive Dish NBA podcast on YouTube. We do video versions. And you can find them up there. I think we've done enough dancing for today. So why don't we dance Wednesday? See you, Starside. Okay, well. All right, all right, I think they get the point. <laughs> <laughs>